DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk a little UCLA football with Duke Nguyen from the Southern California News Group, beat reporter, covering the Bruins. And, of course, as always, our guests join us on the Sprint special guest line, Lisa any handset, and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Tookney, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing all right. How's Chip Kelly doing? Because he seemed pretty happy and upbeat, and that usually means he doesn't have a good team because we had good teams. He's really cranky at Pac-12 media days. Just wanted to be done with it and get it over. Should we read into that? Um, you know, I don't know if I understand Chip's mood well enough yet to really tell you. He's a difficult guy to read, to be honest. So you look at this ball club here, and their freshman quarterback out of Vegas got significant time last year. Is he going to be able to make significant improvement to where this team can challenge for a bowl bid? I expect, well, I mean, I don't know if he will, but if UCLA is going to challenge for a bowl bid, they will need him to, I can say that. Uh, we haven't been able to watch him much in practice, so I can, honestly can't tell you what he's looking like right now. I can tell you he can, he's very good at stretching. We can watch that part. <laughs> but I think I, when we in spring practice, I found him a little bit inconsistent, especially with some of the throws that you might think were easy, maybe like a screen pass, a, a, a quick out to, to the running back or something like that. I found that he missed those throws a lot. So I think there is a lot of improvement to be made, and UCLA will need him to make those improvements um, quickly because like you, they have an extremely young team. So they need all of the sophomores, whether it's Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback or Casimir uh, Allen and Martel Irby at running back, or they have three defensive linemen who were freshmen last year. Um, they all they need those now sophomores to step up across the board so they can get to that bowl bid. And I think for them, my, my absolute feeling would be six wins, seven wins. And if... I see that they have kind of the young talent, the young potential to possibly get there. It's just a matter of them realizing that potential this year. So obviously you're coming off three and and nine and you need progress and there's a lot of work to do. Is there a position group that really is pretty established, that looks pretty good, something hang their hat on a little bit? Well, to me, I think the defensive backs are probably the, the deepest position group they have. They have three returning starters in Darnay Holmes, Quinton Lake, and then Elijah Gates, who was a halfway starter last year. He was the starting nickel, and then he ascended to the starting cornerback position late late in the season due to an injury to another player. So I think the starting lineup for the DBs is as strong as anyone. It's just a matter of who are they going to kind of figure out to that second level. They have a lot of redshirt freshmen who spent the – spent some time waiting last year. They have Junior Mo Osling, who's who is kind of their backup safety. So they have a lot of talent there, I think. And it's now just going to be whether they can play consistently and stay focused because I feel like the DBs are extremely confident. When we talk to them, they're, they pretty much think that they can do anything that they want to do. Now it's just a matter of them going out to do it themselves. So I could argue at running back, Joshua Kelly probably had the most surprising season last year. And as I look at this offense with uh, at least three returning linemen there, and I'm not really sure about the receivers, 
Uh, can I argue to be run dominant and knowing that Chip Kelly does like to run the ball? I would say so. I think that's a safe bet. Anytime you get a Chip Kelly team, that they would be run dominant if they have the personnel, which this year I believe they do. I would say that they have actually four returning starting linemen. The only open spot really is at left tackle, and I think they have an idea for that. They have um, redshirt freshman Alec Anderson practicing there, even though yesterday we saw Alec Anderson not participating in practice due to an injury, so we'll see what their contingency plan there is. But I think they do have the solid ingredients for a running game. And speaking of injuries, Joshua Kelly is actually going through an injury right now. He uh, banged his knee earlier in practice, so we haven't seen him practice since the the second day of camp. So we'll have to see how long he's out, and UCLA really needs some of those, like I said, those younger guys to step up and running back behind him, whether it's Casimir Allen, Josh, or, yeah, Casimir Allen, Martel Irby, they're both sophomores. They have some new freshmen, um, Keegan Jones, who enrolled in the spring, and uh, oh, uh, Christian Grubb, who's a former sprinter from high school. And if, if you look at their entire running back group, they have three former high school sprint sprint stars really Casimir Allen won the 100 meters the state 100 meter championship in California and Keegan Jones won the 200 meter state championship in Tennessee so they have some really so like you would expect from a Chip Kelly team they have a lot of speed at the running back position you know the Utes want to run the football and they looks like they got a really good running back and that's the way Kyle Whittingham thinks so will the Utes be able to push UCLA around or the Bruins D-line and front seven will be better than they were a year ago I think they'll be better than they were a year ago. I think they have a good amount of growing they need to do to be able to challenge a team like Utah. Obviously, Utah has, they know what they are, and they very much play to their strengths, and they're consistently good at those things. And UCLA needs to prove that it can be good at good at that thing until they can challenge a Utah in the trenches. So I think the defensive line is going to be a lot better than it was last year. They had three true freshmen um, playing regularly in Otito Bonia, Antonio Mafi, and Tyler Manoa, and they're all back this year. They're, they are physically much different. Antonio Mafi came into camp last year as a freshman weighing 411 pounds. He was coming off an Achilles injury from high school, and now he's down to about 360, and he moves a lot better. He's quicker, and he's just as strong, if not stronger. And on the other side of Tito Obonia, gained a lot of weight, and now he is just massive. Um, so I think they, the sophomores have really grown up a little bit on the defensive line. I expect UCLA to be much better up front, but I don't know if they're going to be quite at where they need to be to kind of push them into the top rung of the Pac-12 just yet. How much will Thompson Robinson run the football this year? I think he will not run as much as fans want him to or expect him to. I think when you look at who's behind him, if he gets hurt, UCLA has what I think is a very competent backup option in Austin Burton, but he's a redshirt sophomore who's never played a single game, of, a single snap of college football. So there's no experience behind him. So I don't think you, I don't think Chip Kelly would want to put Thompson Robinson out there and risk some sort of injury by having him run a lot. Surely, if they run a zone, a zone read, and the defensive end doesn't cover, doesn't 
cover the quarterback, surely Dorian will take the ball and, and run with it. But I don't think there's going to be a lot of, you know, called plays for Dorian to run. So as you look at the uh, at the progress UCLA is making here, you know, you're covering the team. The people closer to the team, how on board are they with this, or is the fan base definitely sitting back in wait-and-see mode? I think they're in wait-and-see mode still. I think they could see a lot of growth at the end of last year. I thought UCLA probably left last year as the happiest 3-9 and team in the country. They beat SC at the end of the season. They had a really competitive game against Stanford, which, I mean, they've, I think they've lost to Stanford maybe 10, 11 years in a row now. So having that competitive game against Stanford was really motivating for them. So they see things building in the right direction. It's just UCLA fans, I feel like they've been burned many times for a false hope, and they want to see see the results before they really invest. At linebacker, Josh Woods was thought to be a heck of a player, but he's had all sorts of injuries, and he's back for his senior season, hasn't played in, what, at least a year. What is his status? He is back full go right now. He hasn't played since 2017, actually, so it's been over It's been over a year. He hurt his shoulder midway through 2017, and then last year he came back to training camp and then he just tore up his knee maybe a week and a half before the season. And so he's been out since then. So he's back full go. He's wearing a knee brace. I think everyone's really excited to see Josh on the field, not only because he is a, a good player and he can certainly help them at outside linebacker where they, they do need some more bodies. Last year they had so many injuries that they had three outside linebackers. That, that was it. So they really needed him last year. So they like that he's back just for his play, but also for his leadership and his mentality. He's he's a redshirt senior. He's one of the oldest players on the team and or most experienced players on the team. So he's seen it all. And I think everyone is really rooting for him to have a great year this year from after he's after everything that he's, he's been through. You know, you mentioned that they brought in a, uh, a state sprint champion, 10-meter champion from Tennessee. Is Chip Kelly focused on Southern California primarily in California, or is he trying to recruit nationally? I think a lot of people want him to focus more on Southern California. Certainly he tries. I mean, if you live in Southern California, it would be, it would be a completely idiotic decision not to focus on Southern California in recruiting. But I think he does try to get some more national guys than I think fans would like or expect. Uh, he brought in someone from Tennessee. He has a few. Otito Bonia, for example, is from Texas. Uh, they have a tight end from New Jersey. So he, I think Chip looks at what the UCLA brand is, and he understands that it's a great academic institution, so it'll open up a lot of doors in recruiting anywhere he wants to go. And he feels that if he finds a kid who is the right academic fit and athletic fit for UCLA, then he'll go, he'll go get him no matter where they live. And something that I've kind of noticed from a lot of the kids who are signing with UCLA is that a lot of them either have uh, Ivy League offers or um, military academy offers 
So he's not really competing with a lot of the other Pac-12 schools for recruits. He's going for some of those lower-ranked recruits. And in Southern California, there's a ton of recruiting competition, and I don't know if Chip is really is really in for fighting off so many of the other schools for these kids. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why he's kind of expanded his recruiting network a little bit. So you got to have big plays on offense in order to score. You can't always rely on 80-yard drives through 14 plays or whatever it is. And we already talked about uh, Kelly at running back and and Thompson Robinson at quarterback. How about Theo Howard as receiver? Had a decent season last year when they had a lot of flux at quarterback. If they have consistency at quarterback with with, uh, uh, Robinson there, how good can Theo Howard be? Theo can be really good. It's just unfortunate because we haven't been able to see him practice because he's actually been hurt. He has a little wrist injury he's wearing um, what I think is a soft cast on his right hand. So we haven't been able to see him practice. Of course, they really need Theo to come back. He's, I want to say off the top of my head, the only senior receiver they have. So he is absolutely going to be their top receiver. They know this. And so they really need him to be back. Um, But behind him, there's a little bit of a I would say a comp- it's a competition to find that second guy. They have a junior college transfer, Jalen Irwin, who I think everyone is really excited for. He's super fast. He's super quick. And he's very competitive. You may have seen him. If you watched Last Chance U, you may have seen him. I think he made a brief cameo in the third episode. He caught a, he caught a touchdown for Hutchinson Community College. So um, he, he knows how to make big plays. And it's just a matter of taking it to this power five level. And I think uh, he's going to have a big year for the offense and they need him to step up behind Theo Howard. So do the Bruins have enough to get off to a good start at Cincinnati and home to San Diego state? Cause they got a couple, it looks like a couple tough games after that. And they could be coming off three and nine. I mean, one and three or oh and four would be horrific. Right. Right. Yeah. I, we were just kind of, discussing this the other day uh, on the sidelines, yeah, they really need a good start. I mean, I don't know how good Cincinnati is going to be. I don't know how San Diego State's going to be. I know those programs are always very solid, especially lately. I mean, Cincinnati beat them last year. UCLA knows how good Cincinnati can be. So I think they're motivated from last season and also motivated from last season's loss to Cincinnati to get off to a good start. I, I can't tell you if UCLA is going to win those first two games leading up to Oklahoma. I can't tell you that they need to win those first two games leading up to Oklahoma because it doesn't get much easier for them afterwards. Well, thanks for a few minutes to talk a little Bruin football. Took me a win. UCLA beat writer for the Southern California News Group. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, you bring up the wide receivers there, PK, and it's interesting looking at some of their stats because a guy they need to step up and, you know, perform better, and he's already one of the – if you put his numbers up against the Utes, he'd be their leading receiver. Correct. And they need, Howard? Yeah, and they need more out of Howard. Yeah, they and do. It just kind of goes to the, the numbers that the Utah passing game's been able to generate and how paltry they are. If you want to compare that, sure, I got you. Particularly in a transition year for the Bruins, 
Uh, Howard had a decent year, 667 yards. I think he had four TD receptions. He's a big kid, and I'm expecting more out of him as the offense gets consistent. But, yeah, Utah needs they need somebody. They, need, they, they haven't had anybody be able to be a big-time guy the last couple of years. Carrington had that possibility, but he was also hurt a bunch. And plus, he was playing in Tyler Huntley's first year, so that mitigates it a little bit. But they need somebody who is a big-time guy. Obviously, that's going to help the team, but I also think it's going to help the other guys too because you can get some experience when there's not all sorts of pressure on you and make some plays. So your four or 500 yards seems way important when you got somebody who's got 1,000. I'm just so nervous about expecting that much out of Covey when everybody in their dog knows they can smack this kid and get him hurt. It's clearly going to be the game plan. Hit him often. Hit him as hard as you can. I would like Covey to be a big play guy, but not the reception leader. The other thing she said in there... uh Stanford now with that double-digit win streak made me think of obviously BYU wants to break that streak against Utah and UCLA feeling that pressure break that streak against Stanford. UCLA's been struggling while Stanford's having their best decade. Okay, that's a that's a long streak. Feel good about playing Stanford close. Not something you expect. What's the streak? Uh, I think it's eleven now. I think it's ten. I, I got to look. I think it's ten years and eleven because they played in a uh, conference title game too. And they play the California teams play every year. They never have, they never skip. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 12.80 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. NBA releasing the schedule for the upcoming season. The Jazz are going to open a home against Oklahoma City on October 23rd. Mike Conley's return to Memphis, scheduled for November 15th. Clippers and Lakers are not only going to play on opening day, they're going to play on opening night and open the season against each other. Arizona State named true freshman quarterback Jaden Daniels as the Sun Devils' starting quarterback. Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley tells the media that Alabama grad transfer Jalen Hurts has shown well for the Sooners, but Riley hasn't named a starting quarterback yet. Antonio Brown lost his grievance against the NFL over wearing his old helmet, but does not plan to appeal the ruling. Expected to rejoin the Raiders in training camp soon. Dak Prescott, Cowboy quarterback, reportedly rejected a contract offer that would have paid him $30 million a season on average. NFL Network reports Prescott wants as much as 40 million per year. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Fantastic rates, free car washes, 24-7 shuttle services, detail oil changes, and glass repair while you're away. Diamond Airport with the best rewards program in Utah. It's the only airport valet service in Utah. Park, ride, and save just off I-80 and Redwood Road. That's Diamond Airport Parking. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Junior corner, big-time NFL prospect, corner Jalen Johnson. Does the rivalry game mean anything different to you, or is it just uh, another game and another opener? It means something to me now. Ever since I got here, I mean, it's just just the disrespect that those fans give to us, the players, just the way they talk. I mean, I just take it to heart because, I mean, I don't like when people trash talk and they have no reason to trash talk. I mean, now just coming into it, I'm going to have a certain attitude and just trying to really prove a point against those guys. 
Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Deep Judge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. We're joined now by Travis Pastrana and Luke Aikens. Nitro World Games. Here we go. Luke with Red Bull Air Force. Guys joining us in studio. Big week. And Travis, we've had you on TV before. We've had you on radio. Your stories, I mean... With 12-year-old, do you have any idea what was in front of you? Yeah, well, I think at 12, like, uh, you know, all of us wanted to be um, whoever, a sports guy or whatever. For me, it was always kind of this. Yeah, this is kind of bigger than I imagined. But uh, my reality has never set in, so just trying to trying to live it every day. Luke, tell us a little bit about the uh, Red Bull Air Force and what you got going. Oh, it's really cool. The Red Bull Air Force is about eight guys, one girl. We travel around the world. We scout having at different events. Everybody's been a world champion many times over. Uh, Travis called us up and asked, hey, for Nitro World Games, we want to kick this off with something big. What can you guys bring? Uh, and we're a unique entity that we could skydive and land in unique spots. And somehow they were able to pull on permission to land at the state capitol last night. So we stepped it up and uh, winged it into the state capitol. Weirdest place you've ever uh, skydived into? Um, high school homecoming football game was pretty awesome. I've traveled all over the world, jumped all over the place, but high school homecoming football was pretty awesome. Travis, you got the uh, the games this week. What are the uh, what is the most popular part of the whole week? You know, Nature World Games kind of the big era of action sports. So it's like you take everything else, and you know, it's not gymnastics. It's not pulling your toes. It's about doing stuff that's never been done. So every year, uh, Moto Best Trick uh, steals the show. I mean, still the only Rice Eccles Stadium is the only place anyone's ever done a double front flip. Uh, Greg Duffy's back this year. Last year, a guy did a double backflip, kiss of death, basically a handstand, crashes, knocks himself silly, gets cleared by the doctors, goes out, sticks it for the landing. This is just, you know, it's cool because you see stuff that you don't see anywhere else, and uh, definitely working with safer ramps and some airbag stuff. But um, you know, these guys are setting world records literally every day in practice working up to that. And it's kind of got the camaraderie of just everyone trying to push the, the limits of action sports. And you know, you'll see most sales fly 100 feet in the air. So these tricks, how do you practice them without killing yourself? I mean, how do you get them down cold without absolutely beating yourself silly? Well, that's the thing. No one has them down, dialed in. I mean, this is the one event that you come and you scare yourself. And that's kind of half the fun of it. But at the end of the day, I mean, we have a lot of airbags. The guys are up there practicing right now as we speak, and we have a full airbag set up. Now, the airbags will go away uh, for the event, but that gives them a little time to get used to these bigger ramps than they have anywhere else. And uh, for me, my big thing is uh, Nature Rallycross. We're actually making cars fly. Uh, last year, we had going side by side. It was a 120-foot jump. And then underneath, there's also cars jumping. And then underneath that, there's a bridge with cars going underneath. So, I mean, it's something that you don't see anywhere else. And you got guys coming from F1, from NASCAR, um, from Rally, from all over the world. And this is the first time, that, or the only time, really, that you get to literally jump a car in a race, side by side, bumping other people in the air. So, it's um, it's one of those few times when the drivers are actually as excited as the crowd. We were talking the break. You have kids now. Yeah. You ever think about, like, dialing it back? Like, those were the good old days, but... I'd have dialed it back a little yeah, bit. Luke and I are both just talking about this. I mean, Luke jumps out of a plane not only without a parachute, but then lands in a net at a hundred foot uh, by hundred foot. And you know, he's got he's like, I thought about that halfway up. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I, for me personally, uh, I take a quote from one of my good friends. I said, I don't want my kid to think I used to be cool. So I try to do cool stuff still, keep it happening. <laughs> if you can get your kids to think you're cool, that's quite the trick because that's. <laughs> That's not easy. As they get older, they're, they're going to tune you out. That's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's going to happen. So you're jumping out of planes without parachutes. Uh, only once. We did that a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, I believe 25,000 feet. <laughs> Landing in that is a pretty big jump. Uh, one of the coolest things I've ever done. It took a lot of training. It's about six months of dedicated training to be able to do that. 
Okay, go ahead and explain to me how you train for that. <laughs> <laughs> so set up a 100 by 100 foot net uh, at 170 feet in the air. It was run on air pistons. Um, we practiced. We dropped dummies into the net over and over, measuring how the g-forces of the impact. Then we started jumping from par- airplanes, um, opening parachutes really low over the top of the net until you could control and, and fight the wind current all the way down so you were certain you were going to land right in the middle of the net. And then on game day, we, we removed uh, the parachute and just went all the way down to the net. How do you, Simple, right? How do, you get, <laughs> how do you get insurance for this stuff? Uh, we don't tell the life insurance people we're doing that. You said game day. What was the game? <laughs> that, I call that my game day. Oh. You know, when stepping uh. up and making it happen. We don't get the in the action sports, we rarely get like natural world games where they actually have a day where it's dedicated. Most of our life, we're out doing stuff. So I call game day any day you step up and decide you're going for it on that day. Luke Higgins, Red Bull Air Force, leaving me speechless here. And uh, Travis Pastrana, Nitro World Games. So... What's the worst injury you've had, Travis? Man, any injury that keeps you from doing what you love. And, uh, you know, definitely, you know, when I was 12 years old, I blew my ACL, PCL, LCL, MCL, had a bucket heel meniscus, uh, tibia plateau fracture. And that was probably my worst, even though it wasn't like a life-threatening injury. I was, I didn't walk for six months and was off the bike for almost a year. And at 15, like, that's, you know. Do you ever have an adult tell you when you were a kid, you can't do this, knock it off? Yeah, well, my dad was uh, was Marine. My mom uh, raced motorcycles. So for us, like we we rode motorcycles as a family, and that's what's what's really cool about um, you know kind of the action sports community is that um, everyone really gets involved. Everyone's out there having a good time, and that's what's what's really cool about going to uh, the Utah Motorsports Campus. Is, I mean, there's no karting. There's a, a full environment for, for everyone to go out there and just really have a good time. And you see the camaraderie that you don't see in other sports. Um, you don't even see it sometimes within teams um, that everybody just wants to see. Yeah, of course we all want to win. We all want to go higher. We want to go bigger. We want to do something that's never been done. Uh, but there's that respect for anyone else that's um, that's chasing the dreams and pushing the limits to, to you know not kill themselves so you say go bigger is there a limit Limit is as far as the technology behind you, and that's what's really cool about um, you know nature world games. The, the ramps are bigger, the landings are taller, the ra- landings actually have a little bit of airbag built in, which we got a lot of flack from the initial like the skaters and everyone. They're like, "Well, why are you guys? That's that's not real. Like you guys are wearing pads and you know helmets and all this stuff." I'm like, "No, we're going 100 feet in the air. You, you guys are going 10 feet in the air. Like <laughs> sure, like it's the same same impact. It's just now we can go bigger." <laughs> Travis Pastrana joining us in studio, Nitro World Games, and Luke Aikens, Red Bull Air Force. So what does the schedule look like this week for people who want to see you guys? Well, practice started yesterday. I mean, like I said, these are the biggest ramps. So everyone's out there kind of pushing each other, getting nervous, doing the airbag stuff, and then the airbags go away. Qualifying's on Friday, but for open for the public, it's going to be Saturday. Man, get out there early, have some fun. It's going to be one heck of a day for the whole family. And we got Super Hooligan Racing, which is basically the highest horsepower V-twin motorcycles with as many people as we can possibly fit on the course uh, going around. and just It's like NASCAR, but uh, bumper derby. With motorcycles. Okay, that sounds dangerous. And a lot of fun. This is, it's a big air of action sport. It's going to be a good time. How many uh, How many people do you say as many as possible? Uh, I think the, the final qualifies down to 20 riders, uh, which on a pretty small track going really fast with really awesome high-power motorcycles should be a good time. This is the first time we've run this one. Uh, usually it's just, uh, you know, we got the quarter pipe was first time last year, as well as the you know, moving from Racecycle Stadium um, to Utah Motorsports Campus, just because we needed a little more space. We run a lot of motors, a lot of things with some huge jumps. So, so in NASCAR, they, the expression trading paint, how does that work with motorcycles? Uh, yeah, you just elbow someone, you knock them out of the way. And, you know, try to, try to win. Not to get knocked out of the way of the other guys. <laughs> Full contact. All right, when do the gates open Saturday? S- Saturday, gates are going to open at 11 a.m. So, uh, yeah, I think everything kind of starts around noon. Uh, but definitely get out there early. I mean, they got go-karts. They got everything. Um, definitely activation zone. Giving away a lot of free stuff. And just, uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, now being a father, like, I can't go anywhere that my kids don't want to go. And this is somewhere they really want to be. So, this is uh, it's definitely fun. All right, Travis Pastrana, Natural World Games, Luke Aikens, Red Bull Air Force. Guys, thanks for joining us in studio. And, uh, Luke, when are you planning on jumping out of a plane for people who want to see that? 
Uh, we'll be after the World Games. We'll be back home in Seattle, skydiving every weekend nonstop. Yeah. I make about eight, ten jumps a week, probably. Okay. And but are you going to be making jumps Saturday? Uh, no, no jump more. No more jumps out here. They okay. let us jump in the state capitol. I don't know how we beat that. Okay. All right. Thanks for coming in, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. you bet. Thanks. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5, 1280 the zone. And that's all for almost here. Don't go nowhere. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hanson Scotty will announce another selection. I see you all, Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Yeah. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah, it wasn't so much the fluke play at the end. Um, truth be told, my wife invited people over, told her not to, and uh, her friends sat in my spot, so the universe shifted. Sorry. Losing to Utah this year is two words, two words, freaking not right. Oh, they just lost because they were looking ahead in next week. Which end does Joe Engel shoot with? Oh, yeah, left. Time for your feedback. Brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi 5, a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or com. Some people there with excuses earlier this morning. We were talking about excuses you hate to hear. You suck! <laughs> when you suck. Excuses you hate to hear. Yeah, anybody ever says that, it's always something else. You suck! You know, with the schedule coming out, oh, this and that. The Jazz weren't good enough for the schedule. It wasn't a schedule, it was a lack of talent that contributed to the losses but the point was that they weren't going to continue losing that pace because the schedule was going to get softer and then they were going to have the talent for that that was your point sure the great thing about it this year is that nobody's bad an eyelash about the schedule you number improve- back-to-backs is going down well you improve the quality of your team substantially it's a cool thing when you're one of the good teams you have to play for your good teams because you are one of the good teams you two playing three of three teams in the top half of the league two with buys and they're one of them uh, yeah, there's no top half right now. I mean, that's the, the top Projected. half is discern- right. determined in November. We also talked uh, with Jay Drew this morning, Salt Lake Tribune beat writer covering BYU, about to jump to the Deseret News. And Jay was talking about, uh, you know, the expectations a little too high. And the feedback on that ranges from, I haven't noticed any hype. Maybe excited for the season. What's wrong with that, uh, Trevor? Uh, what hype is there? I think the fan base consensus is above I don't think the fan base consensus above seven to eight wins is that overhyped. No. I don't think seven or eight was overhyped. Nine, ten, yes, but seven or eight, no. I think that's what you should expect. You have a right to expect that. This guy says, as a lifelong Cougar fan, I'm terrified by all of the hype. What have they done to deserve what? it? Talani has things going in the right direction, but it's not an overnight fix. The cupboards were left bare. I'd be thrilled with a nine-win season, but wouldn't be shocked with a six. Well, say the first part of that again. As a lifelong Cougar fan, I am terrified by all of the hype. There is no all of the hype. What have they done to deserve it? What hype? And what am I missing? Where's there all this hype? I'd be thrilled with a nine-win season, but wouldn't be shocked with a six. Uh, that's fair. Most of the people I've heard talk about it have talked six to eight. You've heard others talk nine and ten? There's a few outliers. A few I haven't. People. I've heard zero. I think six to eight is the range. Debate amongst yourselves. I think eight and four in an independent schedule. Where the program is, where your rival's program is, and that's that's a decent season. That's something to build on with a sophomore quarterback. 
That's fine. Working on National Left-Handers Day. Who are the Jazz starting five? Lefty only. How did we come up with? Eaton, Angles. Originally it was Crotty, but then we upgraded and said, well, you don't oh, have to. Conley, that's right. Yeah, you don't right. have to play a game. Conley's under contract, so he counts. He works out at the facility. <laughs> He's made baskets over there. That's good enough. You don't actually need a basket in the game. So put him on there. Yeah, so Conley, Angles, Eaton. Those are good ones. Right. And then Rodney Hood, C.J. Miles, Trevor Booker. It's, uh, it's been buried in my mentions here, but there's a guy who came up with some names from the 80s. Scott Roth and Alan Bristow for sure, classless Skip says. I don't know anything about those guys. I remember Alan Bristow coaching in Charlotte. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. But I don't remember him playing. I know he did, I just don't remember it. And Scott Roth, I got nothing for you. Scott IRA Roth? Maybe. Doesn't seem like a likely nickname. That name does not ring a bell whatsoever. Played at Wisconsin in the early 80s. Was with the Jazz for one year. Uh, I couldn't tell you what he even played. Well, you know, that's why he doesn't ring a name. He doesn't ring a bell. Three years with two teams and overseas. So Good for him. He got to the league. Yep. Should mention that a Bingham High pitcher, Brady Leo, made his major league debut last night for the Yankees. Good kid. I've known him for many years. Got in there. Played doubleheader yesterday. Beat the Orioles twice. Nothing new there. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when a really good team plays a really bad team. Yeah. Yankees now a game in front of the Astros in the race for the best record in the American League. The Yankees, excuse me, the Orioles dead last, 39 and a half games behind the Yankees. All right. I'd say they got a shot at 50, PK. It could happen. That's a proud franchise, you know, and you have to really study. How did you get so bad? How can you do that? I mean, there's going to be good teams, there's going to be bad teams, but to be this bad is really something. They have been very good at times, but it has been a while now. Oh, they were in the playoffs a couple years ago. Lost the wild card game in 2016. Yeah. That'll be their only playoff game in five years. Then you go back a little bit, and they were in the ALCS. But to drop off this bad. You, you that was an 89-win team, the wild card team. Yeah. Down to 75, down to 47 and 115 last year. Right. That's a, that's <gasps> a huge, huge drop-off. In, in a three-season span? Like that? Good know. news, it looks like they're not going to lose. Well, I probably shouldn't say that out loud. They're on pace to not lose 110 games, but, you know, hey, they could hit a flat spot in September. And still I don't follow there. it, so I don't really know, but something went wrong. Very much went wrong, and you have to look at it and say, wow, what the heck happened? Was it a concerted effort? You know, the Jazz decide, okay, we're going they to They blew it up on purpose. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're going to do this, and we're going to get through it in a few years, so stay with us. I don't know if that's what Baltimore's doing. Houston did that, and then they won a World Series, and right now, look like certainly they're in contention this year to win another one. We'll see what happens in October. But, you know, they made a conscious decision because Sports Illustrated wrote them up about being that team, and then they had that benefit. I don't know if that's what the Orioles are doing, but, man, they sure are bad. Well, congrats. What was the name of the local kid? Brady Lale, pitcher at Bingham. Congrats. Making it to the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. Yeah. All right, we are out of time. Coming up next, Tony and Austin. We will see you tomorrow from 6 to 10 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.